This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Ladies and gents, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me, as always, is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And we are joining you, listeners, after two, let's face it, pretty frustrating results uh, for Newcastle. 2-1 defeat to Liverpool Anfield in midweek, and then a 0-0 draw at St James's Park over the weekend. And I feel like we very easily could have got Four points, maybe even six points from these two games. Yeah, I, and we I ended feel up with one. Yeah, it's, it is really disappointing um, because I feel that Newcastle definitely deserved a lot more than one. I mean, we'll talk about the Crystal Palace one later. I think in many ways that one's well. I don't know because they both have <laughs> massive, irritating points. Um, but I, what we should really start this out with is a bit of a caveat that you're without Wilson. Um, ASM and Bruno for both of these games apparently none I said to be seriously injured which is something to be thankful for but it is three major players yeah three of, our, three of our best players I think I think definitely if we have them in the team or even maybe like a couple of them I think we at least get three points instead of one yeah. out of those two games luckily though um, that Alexander Isaac, his, although there was a bit of a delay with his work permit, it did come through, and, and he has proved to be a pretty darn good player. Yeah, I mean, actually, let's uh, focus on that. That was kind of the big positive from the Liverpool game. Goal on his debut, you can't um, ask for more than that. Technically, uh, two. Yeah, well, a great a great goal. Well, t- well, yeah, two, two really well-taken goals. Unfortunately, the second one disallowed for that offside that couldn't or it basically looked like it could not have been more marginal. I just don't understand why when it's when you're that far away from goal, so you still have a lot of work to do. Your head, which you haven't, or your shoulder, which you haven't used to play the ball and haven't used to scored to score. Sorry, if that is slightly in front of a defender, I don't see how that is. Uh, an offside because it's an unfair advantage. Yeah, it's it, it's not. It's it's just it's ridiculous. He was only just over the halfway line when the ball got played, so that isn't your last line defence. He still had to beat two players and the goalkeeper. There was no way that was an unfair advantage. No, it, he was leaning. It completely goes <laughs> against the spirit of the law, doesn't it? When you, I know we've we've probably talked about this before with VAR, and, and we'll get onto VAR again. Shortly with, with the Crystal Palace one, which was even more egregious, but I, I get it with the offside. Like, yeah, it helps if you can just make it a binary yes or no. It it's one of the rare things in football where you can do that compared with a lot of other decisions, which can be a bit more subjective. But at the same time, as but I you say, could literally do it if it's in the box and that occurs. Yes, that would be offside. If it's outside of the box, it doesn't. Something that minor doesn't count as offside. I and I don't it, see how that makes it unfair or difficult to manage because you still have the, yeah. the the camera, so you can still tell if they're in the box or outside of the box. 
and then therefore if they're marginally offside or not because it's just it makes no sense it, I don't understand how that was unfair on the defender or it's just all, all the extra stuff that the stupid offside rule is it, it, well, exactly plus you know you get into that whole thing of like well you know uh, like do you have you know do the t- can the technology actually do it in terms of like if you can't try to be that precise with it then it's like do they have the frames to look at exactly when the ball leaves the foot of the guy who's passing it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And all that kind of like minute stuff. And like, yeah, you can draw these all all the lines on and stuff. I mean, this doesn't solve everything because, as I said, of what we just talked about. But I, I kind of and I get I get it because you you know you can score with your head or you can score with your chest or whatever. But I kind of feel like it should be measured from the feet. I feel like you shouldn't be punished because you're leaning forwards, as you said. Yeah, when your feet are onside, you're already I get that moving you can in the score with your head, but it's like, but especially when you're that far away. Let's say in the box, maybe, maybe you could use that. But I think with a lot of the rules at the moment, it's just become far too complicated and far too technical, and it kind of ruins the flow of the game. We're stopping every five minutes to double check us as far, and, and I'm all for um, video ref. To be honest, I really am. But I don't think it's been used very well at all in football. And yet again, we've had lots of controversy, to be honest, in this last week about decisions used via VAR. And and again, there was another one against uh, Newcastle before. Uh, sorry, in the Crystal Palace match. Yeah, well, in fact, we might as well talk about that moment now while we're kind of talking about oh, VAR. Oh, God, yeah. I mean... If you haven't already heard, listeners, I mean, the Premier League, just, just to show that, you know, this isn't a biased thing of just Newcastle fans getting up in arms. The Premier League literally have asked uh, PGMOL, the, the Premier League, um, the, the referees group, basically. The Premier League have literally asked them to review the incident. And also, I mean, several actually from Saturday, ours being one of one of several actually pretty egregious decisions. Exactly. and In the... It's just, it's, it's just. Joe Willock was quite clearly shoved into the goalkeeper. Yeah. How is that him fouling it? So if I, it's like, they have the, they must have a largish clip of what happened. It can't just be that one instance. So you can see the body of a Newcastle player going into the body of the goalkeeper. Right. Fair enough. That would be a foul. But surely you have to look at the context. It. Unless he's absolutely bull charging into a goalkeeper, it seems a little bit out of the ordinary yeah. in the middle of a scramble um, after a set piece. You know, that's clearly a free kick and probably a card. But he was pushed into another player. You would look at those couple of seconds before, how did it happen? How did it get there? Rather than yeah. a player walked into somebody. If he was fouled in and then fouled in somebody else then you go for the original foul, which is what happens all the time in open play. Just because it's a goalkeeper doesn't give them preferential treatment. Yeah, he could have been hurt, but so could Willock. And to be honest, it was Crystal Palace's own team that, that pushed them into their own goalkeeper. So it it, it just baffles. Yeah, it's it's hard to take because it's, it's frustrating now that you know we've, we've played really well f- for the most part for our first... Uh, we're six games into the season now. We've played pretty well in most of them. And we've only actually won one of them, which was which was actually back on the opening day, the 2-0 still, over Nottingham Forest. I'd still take a win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, obviously, on the flip side, we've also only lost the once, so you know we're not doing too badly either. But it's 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 a hard one to take. But, um, but these poor decisions in VAR obviously already undermine the confidence in it, which is quite low and has been for a while. I thought it, it was kind of doing better in the latter half of last season. Um, and it's used well in the World Cups. I don't think there was any real controversies in the World Cups. But this is something that is used in every Premier League game. I don't understand why they can't get it right. I don't understand why it's so invasive. Yeah, two years in as well of using it now. Yeah, again, and we've talked about it before, look at the way rugby do it. There's no problem there. Yeah. If, if if someone is not sure, so if the referee is not sure if it's offside or onside, they call for VAR to have a look and then they go and have a look and they decide whether or not it would be an unfair advantage or a foul or whatever. Mm. Or if there's been played at an advantage and again, you're not sure if there was a foul further on, which means that goal would have to be disallowed. They then can call for that later. So they will let the, you know, like an advantage, let the game go on. And then call back for the video referee. Um, I want to see what happened between player 20, player uh, 2. Tell me what happened. There was a bit of a collision there. Tell me what happened or show me what happened. And they even play it on the big screens. Mm. And to be honest, having the, the tiny screen in front of the, the home fans I think is a stupid idea. Just play it on the big bloody screen because you may as well at that point. And then have that decision there and then. Rather than faffing about and then butting in every left, right, and centre to go and do something. Obviously, if there is something like a, a major issue, like the foul and the on Newcastle last week, was it when the VAR overturned a penalty decision or gave a penalty? I can't even remember now. Uh, yeah, I can't. But there was, you know, there are. That's the thing. There's, 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 serious... been a, there's been a few things this season that have gone against us. Where yeah, like, if there's a serious, how? if there's a serious refereeing error. That the video referee sees and it's got to be a pretty major one like there's been an incident where off the ball or something and VAR calls it back that's fine for them to get involved but then yeah. they actually show the referee who's on the pitch and they make the decision rather than second guessing all the linesmen the referees because at this point you may as well not even have a linesman really because everything gets double checked anyway so what's the point mm. and then <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I suppose yeah, we could we could bang on about VAR all day, but I, I really I, I completely just agree with everything you said. To be honest, I don't really have a huge amount to add to that, really. Um, and yeah, it's it's cost us here, as I say. We um, even setting aside the the offside against the Liverpool one, you can't argue against the the thing with Crystal Palace. That should have been a goal, and if it is. We would have won. I mean, yeah, Nick Pope had to make a couple of good saves against Palace. Uh, you know, there were a lot of chances on both sides, but I think we had we had, I think the best of those chances. And well, a obviously we did score and it should have counted, but also I mean, again, as we mentioned before, you know, if we'd have had Wilson, if we'd have had Sam Maximan, if we'd have had Bruno, one or at least one of them would have ended up in the back of the net as well, on top of the one that we did get in that should have counted. Yeah, and uh, if, then, we, if we go back to that Liverpool game then, you know, we did talk about the, the goals before. Um, unfortunately, and we see, it, we see it with all teams, but unfortunately there was quite a lot of time wasting. Yeah, I have to say, like, 
that did annoy me a bit actually and I, obviously well a lot of other fans were annoyed at us but I think for me like obviously you know if, if, you, if you're away at Anfield and you've got a chance of getting a point or you've got a chance of getting three points obviously a bit of time wasting is to be expected but I think we I think we we kind of took the piss a bit a bit to, to be honest I think we did do it too much Loath as I ever am to actually agree with Liverpool fans who uh, were very vociferous in their um, uh, displeasure about our, our tactics, but just from even just just sort of setting all that aside, just from literally just a sort of tactical perspective, I think if if, if you're going to try and time waste for because we uh, we were trying to do it for quite a long time, it wasn't just like injury time. You know what I mean? It was like it was when you and when you're going to try and do it. It was that, over ten minutes for that long. I think you are really asking for trouble, and I think you're inviting pressure, you're inviting anger, and and you're inviting the referee to add a load more on because obviously their goal is so annoying. But you know that we weren't able to hang on. But ninety seventh minute, of course, you only added ninety five on. But of course, that's a minimum that the add on. Yeah. They, they, you know, they are free to add more on top of that if they wish. And you I, know, think we, I think do... we, we invited some of the problems ourselves. And I just think from a tactical point of view, because I think, you know, we'd played well. We we, we fully deserved at least a point. Yeah. We'd played well. Liverpool were there to be got at to an extent, as we'd shown, you know, with, with Isaac sticking the ball in the back of the net twice, even if one of them didn't count. Um. You know what I mean? What we should have been doing, I think, was was just trying trying to trying to play them. You know what I mean? Like try and go for them as well. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah me then when you know maybe when you get to the final few minutes, then yeah, sure, you might end up just having to hang on. And let's face it, you know, you're gonna throw yourself down a bit easier. No one likes to see it, but everyone does it. You know, you're gonna take a while over a goal kick and all the rest. You know, all the classics shenanigans, but. I think when you try and do it for like a huge amount of time towards the end of the game, not just like the final few minutes, I think you are inviting pressure. And I think that was a bit of a mistake from Eddie Howe because I presume obviously the players were instructed to do that. And if they weren't, he should have been saying, telling them not to, I think. I, th- I think just setting everything else aside, I think it was a bit of a, a tactical error uh, for me. But obviously it's still, just as I say, it's just sort of sickening to... To get to that sort of ninety seventh minute and then have have the point, you know, sort of snatched away from you like that. And obviously, I say Liverpool fans will say it's karma for the time wasting, but I think we were deserving of the point just on terms of how we played. Even though I think we didn't then capitalise on it towards the end. Um, so yeah, as I say, t- just yeah, two <laughs> frustrating results. Um, one thing I say we can say is that. We're six games in. We have only lost once, which was at Anfield and was quite unlucky. And we've played pretty well pretty much across all of the games. I think the only one where we were probably lucky to actually get get away with it was the Brighton game, actually. And Brighton are a very good team this season. Yeah, they've done excellent this season. And again, you had lots of chances against Crystal Palace. And considering and we're you still didn't making have, them, you know. Yeah, yeah, considering you didn't have your, your main individuals that, that we had last season... Loads and loads of chances. Unlucky. To be honest, that game was a game for the goalkeepers because both goalkeepers played excellent in that match. And I think if you are a goalkeeper or, you know, in a youth team or even in a school team, I think that's that was a really inspiring match for, for you know, up and coming 
goalkeepers because it, it was a huge display by both. Um, which kind of nicely segues into <laughs> the news. Um, Nick Pope was excellent. The has been good. We've not seen him for a while. He's gone to Man United on loan. Probably never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah, so obviously <laughs> there was no uh, Newcastle activity in the final few days of the transfer window. I mean, I don't think we were expecting too much um, on that front. So the only thing really notable that happened was actually an exit, which, as you said, he had Dubravka to Man United. They paid a two million loan fee, and they've got the option of making it permanent for a further six million, uh, which actually they, w- they will be obliged to do if he makes enough appearances. We'll see how many he makes. I could see him playing in the Europa League this season, and obviously the, the whole point, obviously, is to maybe put a little bit of pressure under on, on David de Gea. But it would take a lot of cojones, shall we say, <laughs> for Eric ten Hag to drop to drop him in something like the Premier League. It's easy to do in the Europa League or or the League Cup or even the FA Cup. But we'll see if he does it in the league. I mean, obviously, on the one hand, I wish Dubravka well. He was, I think he was a really, really good buy for us. He saw us through some some pretty rough times in the Steve Bruce era. He was one of our best performers. As I say, unfortunately now, he, he has slipped down the pecking order. And I, I mean, I, I understand why, he, even though... Um, even though he's he's clearly not going to be first choice at Man United either, I understand why he's made the move now that he's no longer first choice at, at you know at St James's Park, and we can recall him in January if we need to as well. So if Nick Pope does happen to get injured in the few in the next few months, we can uh, bring him back. But uh, yeah, on the one hand, as always, I'm torn between wishing him well and hoping Man United lose every week. So. <laughs> I mean, we still wish that. <laughs> If Dubravka is there, I hope they lose, but not because of Dubravka. <laughs> um, because as I say I, I, I do have a lot of time for him. I think he's been one of our best keepers uh, for, for a good while, actually. I mean, obviously Nick Pope, um, I think can can probably be similarly good. He's he's already shown um, this season. I think you know why he was bought. He has played very well, but um, yeah, a little, a little sad to see him go, but. Uh, on the plus side, if they do make it permanent, I mean, it's obviously £8 million isn't a huge amount, but a little bit of money incoming because, as we're about to talk about now, uh, although we have been clearing out a lot of people uh, over the summer, not much coming in. So, obviously, the high... That net spend is staying nice and high, which eventually we are going to have to get that down a bit to keep in line with FFP. But we thought we'd just do a, just a very quick... It just It just... It just makes me laugh the, the amount of teams that are being questioned by FFP because I know that obviously Newcastle will be eventually if they keep going because obviously you're under such a spotlight at the moment and um, because of Newcastle's owners. Um, but, you know, Leicester are also in it at the moment. But uh, Man City can continue to do whatever they goddamn want. <laughs> yeah. Again, for the, what, fourth, fifth season running now? <laughs> It's fine. Yeah, that's it's just fine. Yeah. Man- also, Barcelona. I mean, well, like, we do, we do not have that. Be a podcast <laughs> in itself going into Barcelona's financial wheelings and dealings. I think I think you'd need several accountants Jesus, to get yeah. in there because oh my um, god. <laughs> but yes, it does. It does great a bit. Not that I want us to abuse FFP. It's more just that Is City it- kind of got away with it for years, and then at best, Chelsea as well to a degree. Sort of slap on the wrist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's you know that that is obviously a bit of a 
bit of a frustrating one. But well, we um, said this that the, the more established teams in inverted commas <laughs> who's given a lot of money here, there, and everywhere will get away with it forever. Really, the precedent's been set. It's all the other teams that they'll hammer. Oh yeah, there's zero chance we'll ever get again. Just to be really clear, listeners, I don't want to see us abuse FFP. I want us to do things by the books. But a million percent, if we step a toe out of line, and I'm not even saying I can necessarily blame them because of our ownership and stuff. It's more again, it's the frustration is that they don't do it to teams like City and PSG. But they will absolutely throw the book at us if we step even a toe out of line when it comes to finances or anything else. So. Well, you spent 117 million for Isaac Butman, Taggart, and Pope. Target, not Taggart. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Taggart and Pope. And um, we've, you know, Dubravka, Fernandez, Gale, Woodman, uh, Hayden's on loan, Hendricks on loan, Clark's on loan, Longstaff, Matty, that one, uh, is on loan. You still made like two million income potentially eight if if Dubravka goes to United permanently. It's, it's not a bad transfer window, to be fair. No, I mean that's the thing. As I say, what we in the future, what we're going to need to do is is hopefully try and make a bit of money off the outgoings. But obviously, at the moment, we're kind of just trying to clear a lot of deadwood. You know, like I mean, Fernandez actually was was decent, but you know, like Gale, I said, but yeah, I mean, even though they're only on loan, but you know, Hayden Clark, Kendrick, etc. Um, a lot of them, you know, it, they needed clearing out. Um, they needed getting off the books and getting off the wage bill um, when they're not really going to play much of a role for us, um, you know, going forward. Um, but yeah, obviously in the future, what we don't want to end up in is a situation like Man United where, because obviously the thing is Man United can sort of afford to do this because they basically have unlimited resources. But not from their ownership, they actually have it from a legitimate source, i.e. their income uh, and their sponsorship deals and all the rest of it. So they can sort of afford to do it, but they're in that position where they spend a stupid amount of money on transfers and they get almost none back in terms of sales because their recruitment has been so poor mm. for so long. Obviously for us, we're still trying to get rid of kind of the the Ashley players, certainly the ones who weren't like, a, you know, Callum Wilson and, and Sam Maximan and you know the ones who actually are worth keeping around. So, obviously, it's going to be a slightly longer process, but eventually we're going to need to have a bit more balanced thing where we're not, you know, even if the outlay is over 100 million, you know, you may be making 50 plus back in terms of sales, so it's not quite as bad, you know what I mean? But, again, that's going to be a bit of a longer process I while we start getting the squad in shape. I whinging about transfer news and when, <laughs> when there hasn't been any for a good number of years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I'm just thought. You know, it'd be it'd be good to just look back on the window as a whole. And as I say, I'm I'm not really complaining because we sorted another... the defense out. We got four. We we addressed every you know every every player that came in addressed. Well, apart from Pope, I suppose, because we did have Dubravka. But the other three all targeted key areas where we needed improvement. We've now basically got a more or less almost completely sorted defense. We got a new striker in which we were crying out for. Mm. So the only thing maybe would have been nice would have been a mid- midfielder. But again, I'm not going to take the piss. We spent 117 million. Not only that, but you had Bruno at the end of last season. So and obviously with Joe Winton's conversion, and once John Joe Shelby comes back from injury, he's another um, you know player who can who can be in there as well. So no real complaints overall. I think a, a pretty solid window. Um, 
but yeah, just worth looking back on it uh, now that it's finally uh, slammed shut. It's never allowed to just close. It has to slam shut. It has to be dramatic. Uh, like Jim White and his yellow tie on Sky Sports News. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, we are away at West Ham next weekend. Uh, bit of an interesting be, it one. It should be one you come you come away with something. It really Hopefully. Should. I mean, first of all, fingers crossed, we have at least one or two of Wilson, Sam Maximan and Bruno. Chances are we're probably not going to have all three back. Obviously, at the time of recording listeners, we don't know if any of them will be back. Hopefully, if none of them are serious, hopefully at least one or two of them might be uh, fit enough to at least get on the bench, if not get back in the starting lineup, because we we do need them, uh, you know, obviously back in the side if we're going to start, you know, piling some actual wins on the board rather than just draws. But as you say. We do have a chance here. West Ham, they've not had a great start to the season, have they? No. I mean, four defeats in the first six. Bit a bit unlucky, though. So, against Chelsea this weekend. I mean, yeah, again, VAR robbed them of, yeah. a, of a draw there. So, yeah, bit of sympathy with that one. But overall, yeah, not a vintage start. And they've got U- uh, European football to balance as well. So, But both teams are going to be really, really keen to get some points on the board in this match. They're both going to see it as an opportunity to get something. I mean, I can see it being a draw, but it does depend on who comes back for Newcastle. If if you do have Wilson and, and ASM, I'm not trying to undermine Bruno and say he's not good. He obviously is. But um, Wilson and ASM are where you get most of the creativity. And I, I can see... I suppose Bruno's passing as well, but any one of those is going to be important. And if you yeah. get two of them back, hopefully that'll really make the ball flow a lot better towards the forwards. And with the experience of those players as well, getting some of those chances actually converted into a point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've actually got good stats against. West Ham. Yeah, our, our recent record at the London Stadium is pretty encouraging, actually. In our last three visits, we're unbeaten there, and two of them are wins. So um, that's pretty positive, actually. So I said, fingers crossed. I mean, again, a, a point away at West Ham is nothing to be sniffed at. But you don't Obviously, want a point. <laughs> I said, we're six games in now. We've not won since the opening day. Three points would be amazing, especially maybe, I'd say, if West Ham are a bit distracted because they've got. Uh, Europa Conference League um, kicking in on Thursday as well so um, you know they'll have that kind of distraction uh, in terms of uh, affecting their preparation for the match and, and possibly the fitness of some of their players as well so yeah fingers crossed we can really take advantage of that you know with us not having European football this season uh, and obviously because the because of the World Cup, you know the the teams that are in Europe are having to cram all these games in by mid-November, which is insane. Um, you know, hopefully against teams like West Ham and, and some of the other uh, larger teams. Uh, well, you know the the big six, as it were. You know, uh, hopefully, yeah, teams like us and and you know we we can start taking advantage while mm. they're having to kind of split their resources and their time. And as I said, what's going to be a quite a, a difficult schedule you know between now and the World Cup I can see this really being problematic for, for teams like Aston Villa West Ham or um, it would be Leicester if we were doing anything 
But all those teams who were, you know, our mid-table, mid-table, <laughs> mid-table game uh, teams. Oh my god, mid-table teams. There we go. <laughs> um, who don't necessarily have enough resources to have such a good second squad. This balancing act is really going to narrow the field and make it difficult between bottom and middle of the table, apart from those who are clearly going to get relegated. At like least Leicester. The- <laughs> um, but the top half, those teams that do have that, that type of breadth in their arsenal are just going to get further and further away. So it, well, it, it's, it, I say I'm hoping that, be, yes, as you say, they do have more, they have the depth to better cope. But as I say, I'm hoping that maybe the fact that their schedules are going to be harder than than the Newcastles, Leicesters, and Aston Villas. Hopefully, I wouldn't count. I wouldn't put Leicester in that. No, that but you're not. Right I just, now. I just mean <laughs> that you're not in. You're not in Europe. We're not in anywhere. We're nowhere. <laughs> but what, that's what I'm saying is at least we get at least a bit of a break that they don't and that West Ham don't. So what I'm saying is hopefully maybe that narrows the gap a little bit in the next few months. But mm-hmm. as I say, it's a tricky one because as you said, those bigger teams also have the squads to be able to deal with that stuff better as well. So it could be swings and roundabouts there. But we'll, you know, we'll just have to kind of see how that um, pans out really. But yeah, fingers crossed... Uh, it pans out for Newcastle at West Ham next week. Um, and we'll be here. We'll be back again. Going over how Newcastle have got on, hopefully, with uh, our second win of the season. In the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe uh, and a positive review, that would be uh, amazing for us. And we've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.